You're listening to the pre-snap podcast presented by LineStar. Insight and analysis from the minds of fantasy football experts. Fantasy football advice and strategy from two of the top minds in the game. It's time to lock it in and win. Here are your hosts, Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizapia. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joe Pizapia, and welcome to the pre-snap presented to you by the Line Star app. It is me, it is Michael Rathburn, and we are here breaking down everything for you. Week four in the NFL. Rath, some things that looked like they were just locks on paper last week. Obviously, not so much, but we live to fight another day, that's for sure. There were definitely some good things last week that we were able to discover and help folks out. And obviously a lot of things that nobody saw coming a couple of those huge games that just looked like obvious ways to go, obviously did not necessarily go according to plan. Yeah. So we certainly saw some, you know, almost, you know, basically some history making type of things in the sense that we've got a 17 point or 16 and a half point underdog on the road winning uh, by a huge margin in the bills over the Vikings. Um, we saw the Jaguars lose at home as a 10 point favorite to the Titans. We saw the lions as a six point underdog at home went outright against new England and, and really make them look one of the worst games the Patriots have played in most recent memory. Uh, so certainly things that weren't predicted. And so that's kind of the theme is like, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And that what we're going to do is we're actually going to kind of run down each game. And I'm going to give kind of my brief synopsis of the game from a predictive perspective uh, in terms of like Vegas or, you know, just where I think these teams are going and what I think is going to happen. So it's a little bit different than what we've done before. But I think that based on what happened last week, I want to at least you know, let's touch on each game. It doesn't mean I'm not going to give out again. We're going to stick to the formula in that we are not going to give out recommendations for DFS for every single game. And we are not going to give out 10 or 12 players at each position. Okay. So that's that certainly that's not going to change, but what we are going to do is just try to cover more of a macro view of week four in the NFL from a DFS perspective and try to give you guys as much insight and information that you can use to build your own lineups. And the other thing too, is to realize that last year's information is not necessarily helpful right now. We're talking about defenses like the Broncos and the chargers, uh, very different personnel wise year over year. Uh, the chargers certainly without Joey Bosa, that's a huge injury. We know also like a keep to leave this week out in that game for the Rams. There's a lot of, injuries to talk about this week so we'll talk about how those are going to impact those prices for you know players you want to pay up for or not pay up for and you know when you do all that and basically in the concept of this is there an example like for instance last week with the Panthers Bengals you know a game to target because of uh, of what the total expected was and and how does that enter into the idea of look what you're looking for this week we're looking for the totals that are going to go above and looking for the ones that might potentially have some issues with them. Is there one already that pops out to you that might be an issue where you think, you know what, this game could certainly be a trap and go in the negative direction like we saw some of them go last week? Yeah, I think the number one game for me uh, that jumped off the board was the Colts and the Texans. Um, People want to jump on the Texans offense, Watson, Hopkins, Fuller, but... When that game came out, a total of uh, 47 and a half, I believe, was the opener, or maybe even 48. 
that to me is way off base. That number should be more in the 42 to 43 range based on what we've seen from these teams so far this year. I know the Giants-Texans game kind of got high scoring late and went over, but look at the way the Colts have been playing on offense and on defense and, and the pace that they're going to be able to dictate at home. And the fact that the, you know, I mentioned it in week one and it's been throughout is the Texans have the worst offensive line in football. And that causes a lot of havoc in terms of offensive productivity, uh, not being able to sustain drives, not being able to put points on the board, having to rely on the deep ball to, to move the chains and score is just not optimal. So for me, uh, I think that game is going to go under the total and uh, I, I won't have any part of it. All right, let's, you know, before we go into some of the key injuries in each game and how we can exploit them from a daily fantasy perspective, uh, let, let's take that Dolphins and Patriots game, for instance, about how the line has changed, also about how the Rex Burkhead injury, take this almost as an example of how we're going to break things down. So why don't you take it from there and give me your spiel about the Pats? All right, so what you want to do is you have to you have to approach DFS almost like you do uh, from a handicapping perspective because I do I do both, but I've shied. I, I'm certainly not a handicapping tell by any stretch of the imagination, nor do I want to come off as one. But I do take things that are in that world and I apply them to DFS. So what I look at is I look at the opening line where it is, is there any movement, what does it mean? And then I look at what has that team done so far this year, who have they played, what have they done on both sides, and specifically what happened last week and what do, you know, what do things look like moving forward as far as um, the matchup, the injuries, the motivation, things like that. Another key metric that I look at is I look at how many plays per game the defense allows the opponent. And typically, even though we have a small sample size so far this year, you know, that is a, that is a pretty predictive measure in terms of thinking, is the game going to be able to reach the total and go over the total? And what kind of pace do we think this game is going to be played at? So when I look at Dolphins Patriots, Dolphins open six and a half, which is interesting. I'm sorry. It's, it's at six and a half. Patriots are favored by six and a half. The total is 48. It actually opened seven and already moved off that key number of seven and dropped to six and a half. So clearly early money on the Dolphins. The Patriots have not looked good. Their wide receiving situation without Edelman has not looked good at all. Uh, Gordon didn't play last week. It looks like he's going to be on the field this week. Uh, they had the, the, the rough game at Jacksonville. Then they had to go to Sunday Night Football and play a non-conference road game, which is the most meaning. There's two games on an NFL schedule that teams, I feel, just don't... Uh, they phone it in, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, it doesn't matter at the end of the or day. It's, or, or not even that they phone it in, but there's that little... Yeah, there's less... Missing, the, right? the, most yeah. Important, the most important games are home division games. Right. The least important games are the non-conference road games. And if somebody tells you they're all the same, they're not, because when it comes to tiebreakers and playoffs and seeding, right, of course. Like and that. then the must wins are the ones at home. Right. And so I'm always leery. I'm always leery of teams when they are a favorite on the road in a non-conference road game, which is what the Patriots were last week. So now they come back home and we also, you know, there's a term in the industry called recency bias and that plays, that plays heavily into game theory and DFS 
because now we have a situation with the Patriots where they're coming back home. The Dolphins are three and zero, and you know everyone is kind of off the Patriots, so to speak. Both teams allowed the uh, both the, the the team defenses. This team this game should be played at a high pace, and the total is forty eight. And I think that total, um, that's a key number, 48. And so I think what's going to happen is that number is a little bit lower than what it normally would be based on the Patriots offense the last two games. So I think we get it um, a little bit low. I think we get the Patriots, uh, you know, at around a touchdown favorite. Uh, if I had to guess what that line was at the beginning of the season, I'm going to guess it was probably nine or 10, but now it's down to six and a half. So we definitely have some, uh, some movement on the dolphins, but I, you know, I like new England in certain games. Look, new England's totals are always high. They're always going to be high, high owned. Okay. However, you might be in a situation where they're not the highest owned and you can take advantage of it. And I recommended Gronk week one uh, off on week two was not in the slate week three. Now he's back in the slate week four. And I think this is an opportunity where we fire up Gronk. And of course we want to pair Brady. Uh, we'll get, in, we'll get into the DFS stuff, but that's just my, um, my take on it. And uh, when I look at the game, I feel like this game is going to go over. Um, it's not going to go crazy. But I have an early prediction on the game of around 30 to 23, 31-23, New England winning and, and covering the number. Uh, I like New England at home. They're almost always a lock for 30 points. But I think the Dolphins hang around. Their offense has played well enough, and Tannehill's played well enough that I think the offense hangs around and keeps it, keeps it competitive. And also with the key injuries to Cameron Wake and Hayes in terms of that pass rush, which we all know the way to beat Tom Brady is always to put him on his ass and get the pass right. rush. Uh, you know, you mentioned about Gronk and Brady. We have the injury to Burkhead. And it's funny because, you know, you've got Michelle on this list too, but I see this Burkhead injury as being much more favorable to James White necessarily in terms of his role as opposed to Michelle. I don't think, I don't think Burkhead injury changes Michelle's role all that much. I think it does give more snap potential to James White. How do you feel about that in comparison to Michelle? Uh, no problem with it. I think Michelle just has upside. White is always a solid floor play, and I, I love the guy. But I think Sony Michelle just brings uh, a significant upside where he can break off a 70-yard run, and so that's that's real. And he's also pretty cheap. So that's kind of what I'm looking at there. But no, no problem with James White every every week. All right, we're going to hit a break. When we come back, we're going to start breaking down some more of these games and how you should view them for the DFS lens. You're listening to The Pre-Snap with Wrath and Joey P. We'll be right back right after this. The Pre-Snap podcast is brought to you by LineStar. Take your DFS game to a whole new level. Build winning lineups with the best tools on the market. Download now at LineStarApp.com and start winning. All right, welcome back, everybody. Joe Pizapia, Fantasy Wrath over here. Let's go down to Indianapolis and talk about that Texans game, too. Uh, Doyle questionable for this one. We know that already Eric Ebron had opportunity to be basically by himself last week, and it wasn't exactly uh, an inspiring performance. Uh, but in this one, look, you know, I, I can understand. You look at the 47 number, you see that one. You also see, I think, a Texans offense that's starting to look better since Will Fuller came back, too. But how do you see this one breaking down and how do you look at it from a perspective of your expectation, which from what I can see for you, 
you think actually this is a game where could be a trap we talked earlier and looking at your score of 23 20 potentially that certainly would be a disappointing day you know in terms of dfs yeah i mean i don't think anyone's really on the colts uh certainly not going to be high ownership on the Colts. Well, certainly not on the running backs that's for damn sure. yeah and luck can't throw the ball more than five yards so outside of <laughs> it's, it's really hard to you know so if, if if you don't think that the colts can score and the Texans are on the road. They're 0-3. I don't see the Texans coming into this game. This is a division game. I don't see them coming in looking just like lights out, play, gung. I think they're going to play very close to the vest. And the Colts' defense is actually really good so far this year. It's not, it's not the pushover defense that we've seen in years past. So I think that they've adjusted to the way they play. And I just think that this 47 is a lot of name value with the Texans offensive players and the, and the past history of negative view of the, of the Colts defense. So again, I'm not predicting, you know, 13 to 10. Uh, no, but, but you think it's going to be, it has the potential to be slightly underwhelming from that. Yeah. I mean, it could be, if this game was in Houston. Would it change your tune a little bit? Houston at home. No, because I don't know if the number would be even that. I think it would be the Houston maybe minus three. I think the total would probably be. The now, same. does this blow up your theory, too, about considering in-division home games? I mean, is this not an important game from the Colts' perspective where T.Y. and Andrew Luck really got to gear up? Because- no, it's a, it's a huge game for both, which is why I think they're going to play Colts closer to the vest, and I don't okay. see, I don't see this being uh, – uh, offensive explosion by any means all right well the Bengals and Falcons certainly has some offensive explosiveness built into it uh, we all know how poorly the Atlanta Falcons and I want to drive this home to you guys every single week because until the Falcons prove otherwise they I mean just, there's no reason not to keep targeting it and Gio Bernard is the guy this week going against that defense that has trouble with guys who can catch the ball and geo's pretty adept at catching the ball out of the backfield so that's a positive boyd's value to me is all dependent on aj green's health and ability to go out there and be on the field whether or not he's good on the field doesn't matter he needs to be on the field in order for boyd to be successful so keep that in mind if you want to you know if you've got intentions of boyd this week realize that if for some reason if you get to game time and something goes wrong there with aj green it could be a very very difficult situation where for some reason he you know pulls something or whatever it is in in warm-ups and he can't go that's something you got to change right away but for the rest of this and especially for the falcon side too i know ridley had a huge game last week we did talk about him as a lineup builder last week for sure but going forward what else do you see in this game that maybe people are missing yeah so falcons are a five-point favorite uh open five and a half so a little bit of money on the bengals Total came out at 48, which is crazy. That is a bad number. It's already up to 52. Um, I actually think it could be 53, 54 by the time kickoff comes on Sunday. So, again, a bad, just a bad opening number, and we've seen a lot of those this year. Um, the Falcons are at home for the third straight game. Look, the Falcons have played two crazy games back-to-back that were division games at home with a lot of emotion and a lot of energy expended in both games. I think that they are ripe to get beat this week. I think that there could be a letdown after last week. They also lost Ricardo Allen, who was in place of Keanu Neal. And I think that the Bengals are going to be able to exploit this secondary quite a bit. Now you did mention AJ green, of course, 
that is a huge piece of this game. Uh, if AJ Green does not go, I certainly would adjust expectations on the scoring, but I still think the Bengals are going to be able to put up points. It just may not be the 63 that I'm projecting as a game total. Um, the, the, the Bengals offense under Bill Lazor has really thrived. It's been, yeah, it's been very different. People yeah, didn't, and they didn't pay we, enough attention last December. Right. And when we look, at, we look at the pace that both defenses allow, uh, the Falcons are 26, the Bengals are 32nd. So I don't think there's any reason to, I think, I think that, um, that you definitely have a situation where I don't see either defense really stopping the other team. I even joked about it and put out a tweet that we may not have a punt in the game uh, <laughs> because I think, I mean, I've got the Bengals winning 33 to 30, which would mean it goes 15, uh, I'm sorry, 11 points over the projected total. Uh, I think there's no reason to, the only way that this game gets derailed is if there's a lot of turnovers at the, you know, in, in the opponent territory or in the middle of the field that just kill drives to the point where it just depresses the scoring in the game. And even then I think, you know, 24, 23, 27, 24 is still very viable and in play. So yeah, I agree. I don't see this one being a disappointment. Even yeah, it was a weird bounce of the ball. I feel like it's the highest scoring game of the week. And I, I certainly have been on the Bengals all year. And as soon as it's funny, because everybody talked about the problems of, of the Panth- uh, the Falcons. So the Falcons couldn't score week one and the Falcons couldn't score uh, the first half against the Panthers. And all of a sudden they had all these injuries and the, and, and the, they play different. Yeah. Now they kind of play knowing that they're going to give up points. So they just play different. And now all of a sudden it's not an issue. Well, and I think that's going to continue to feed into Ridley and his ownership year week over week. And it's also going to feed it, I think a little into Julio Jones. Cause I think there's that, there's a sentiment out there too, where, you know, the target volume is still decent and it's, it's again, it's one, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. There will be some people who continue to shy away from it because that touchdown total remains with the giant goose egg, but, I mean, he's not going to go a whole season without scoring a touchdown. Everyone needs to relax. And Julio is one of those guys that can move the needle. His ability to have one of the games that Ridley had last week, we've seen it uh, many, many times here in the Daily Fantasy world, how, how much of a huge factor Julio can be, especially when the ownership is a little less on him. Let's go to the Bills and Packers. This one started out at nine and a half and now has moved to minus 11. Uh, look, you know, when I look at this one, uh, I'm oh, actually, was it, or am I reversing it? My, sorry, it went from minus 11 to nine and a half, clearly after Buffalo went into Minnesota and had a, a pretty decent showing that, I mean, of all the, the big giant spreads that I remember in the last 10 years, this was one of the most shocking victories I remember where you have a rookie quarterback first, you know, real test on the road in a team that should never, I mean, maybe they were sleeping, but I don't know, man, even by the second half, the fact that they couldn't close the gap really was just stunning to me. And in this one, I think with green Bay, which you take away from last week with the running game a little bit is you saw Aaron Jones start to emerge as the guy didn't get a whole lot of touches, but the touches he did get, he made count and coming into this one. If you do think last week was just a fluke and now the, the green Bay Packers, everybody's standing up and taking notice. Do you see a possibility here where Green Bay gets up and Aaron Jones becomes a factor in this game because of it? I don't know. Uh, I, I can't predict where the Green Bay Packers running game is going to go at this point. Um, it, I'm more looking at this game and saying 
Packers come back home after a road loss to the Redskins. Redskins were able to control the line of scrimmage against the Packers. Look, the Packers' defense stinks. It does stink. Um, the problem is, is that and their offensive bill, line isn't great either. I mean, let's let's be frank. You the know, Bills. The Bills are still the team that got smoked week one and week two. So let's not forget that again. Right. You know, I said it at the beginning of the season. No team is as bad as the week before, and no team is as good as the week before. So everybody that said the Lions were going to go zero and sixteen, they just beat the Patriots. Everybody that said the Bills are going to go with oh, you know, it just. NFL players have talent and pride and they get up for games and they, they take games off. It's just the human nature. Okay. Um, for the bills, it's a second straight out of non-conference road game after this huge win against the Vikings last week. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of motivation for green Bay in this game. However, their radar is certainly up after what happened to the Vikings last week. So the bills aren't going to catch the Packers uh, flat for this game. And I could certainly see the Bills being hungover from last week. What I envision in is I I can see Green Bay controlling the game in the first half, and it wouldn't shock me if Green Bay is up say seventeen to three or something along that line, and then just completely just goes running game in the second half. Everything shuts down, and this game ends up like I've got the game twenty four to thirteen, so it's a full touchdown under the total. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a pedestrian game. I don't see them throwing a ton in this game, especially with him being, you know, not a hundred percent. You've got to protect this guy as much as possible. They're not going to need a lot of points in this game to win. So I don't see them coming out and, and throwing the ball all over the field. I think they'll get an early lead. They may even get a special uh, defensive touchdown. W- wouldn't be out of the question or special teams. And they just get a good lead in the first half. And then they're able to run the ball in the second half. All right, now, to the point where Kelsey is not on this slate, we mentioned Gronk earlier, does Jimmy Graham, with his red zone ability, enter into your sphere at all in this game? Because the Bills have not been great against the tight end so far, for sure. Yeah, I'm not I'm not on Graham this week. Again, I just don't think Green Bay is going to score, and I think that they're going to come in and just play a very um, conservative game plan, and I just don't see a lot of upside for him this week. All right, the Lions and Cowboys a start at three and a half, and it moved to three. Uh, so basically not too much uh, movement here, but let's talk about it because the Cowboys are in a spot here where they certainly want to get Ezekiel Elliott, one of those big time Ezekiel Elliott games. The Lions have given up a ton of rushing yards. We all know that so far. So is this shaping up to be one of those cash game scenarios where because of what we're talking about in terms of in terms of game flow and in terms of how these teams match up, at least on paper so far, that Ezekiel Elliott would be a very wise investment this week to me i'm off them and um i know i know it's easy to rank them high and, and just jump on them and, and and if you're wrong you're wrong but i'm not afraid to take a stance on fading a guy look uh there's the, not a lot of great running back plays this week i mean maybe later we'll you know obviously we'll get into more of the individuals but looking at the board for me it wasn't a whole there's a lot of guys where you question the volume or you question the the ability I guess the opponent you would say, but it's still, I look at this one and say, well, if the opponent's there and the price is not exorbitant, why is it? Is it just from a, a matter of score. scoring? They don't score. And if this guy's not going to get two touchdowns, I mean, but if you're saying teams aren't as bad as they look one week or as good as they look another week, is this a situation where we have the best the Cowboys? They don't have any talent. They don't have any way to score. The Cowboys are under, uh, they go under every single week and they can't, they have no way to score. And, 
you know, that that's a problem. The play calling is horrible. They don't have the ability to move the ball down the field. Dak, Dak has no chance. And the Lions are going to certainly just say, we're going to put uh, X amount of guys in the box and we're not going to let Elliott beat us. Sean Lee is out. That is a huge difference for this game. I think the Lions are on the other side are going to want to run the ball with on Johnson after we saw what happened on Sunday night. The problem is both teams are going to want to run the ball. And this game, I don't see how this game gets to 43 and a half. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen how any game that the Cowboys play gets to 40 because they can't score and they, the way they, th- the way they play, it just doesn't allow any offense. And I can see the lions being able to control the game on the ground. Stafford does not need to be throwing the ball all around the field in this game. Controlling the ball on the ground too. Does that mean for you that you still get that enough LeGarrette blunt where it's frustrating for carry on Johnson owners? Yeah, I, I'm not going to be on anybody in this game. Okay. If, if you can see. I'm, and even I'm with just, the Sean I'm, Lee injury too, is there? Yeah, I'm just real salty. I'm real salty on the game. <laughs> well, the problem you, is well, I said it. Understandable. I said it. I said it two months ago. Bet every single Dallas game under. The fact that this game is 43 and a half is I, I that's got to be a mistake. It's got to be. I don't see any. And now they'll probably go out there and score 50. But the way that the way that the Cowboys play, they just don't they have no ability to put the ball in the end zone if and, you're playing multi-entry do you ever put that into your psyche where you think so much that you know this is a, a game and the, the cowboys always go under and all these issues that you've pointed out but yet we see the strangest things happen like we saw last week in a couple of those games do you think is there anything to that when you're playing let's say you're playing smaller multi-entry you know, smaller in terms of uh, pricing where, you know, maybe you're not going, like, it's, it's not like, you know, $25 buy-ins and things like that. We're talking about smaller entry stuff. Is there something where you believe in a little strange once in a while that helps your lineup or do you think that's just a bad investment? Not, not in that game. Not in that I, game. I certainly okay. have no problem taking lower owned teams or players from lower owned teams. Okay. I want a different scenario. I want a scenario where I feel like, the team is going to have to be playing from behind significantly and throwing the ball. And then they're going to be able to rack up points. That's not going to happen in this game. All right. You got the jets going to the Jaguars here uh, opened at minus nine. Now it's minus seven and a half uh, in terms of look what we saw to the Jaguars last week, obviously offensively, you know, you could say, well, the Titans have their number. You could say that. I know we pointed out Bortles last week as somebody with possibility obviously didn't come to fruition is that possibility still there for you in this matchup where maybe the ownership is even, even less or people completely ignoring and based off of recency bias. I mean, this game is projected to have two of the lowest owned teams uh, by far um, outside of, yeah. So this, this game is by far the least projected ownership of the week. As far as when you combine both teams, and rightfully so. Um, offensively challenged is to say the least. Um, as much as um, <clears throat> I will say this, um, and again, these aren't necessarily supposed to be DFS. We're not not giving out DFS recommendations for every game. Uh, I think this. Um, I don't see any way the Jets are going to be able to score on the road. They got. They basically blew the game against the Browns, and that's all they've had to think about for the last 10 days. I don't think 10 days off has really helped the Jets at all in this spot. I think the Jaguars losing the way they lost last week 
they're going to be pissed off and they're certainly not going to be flat for this game. Um, Fournette's going to be 100% healthy is what it looks like. And so I think that you're going to get, I think Fournette is just going to, they're going to pound Fournette in this game. Uh, certainly 25 touches is in play. Uh, they don't want, certainly don't want to overwork them, but I, I think that they're going to win on the run game and the defense. Well, like, a lot of defense potential too. You want to talk yeah, about defense. The problem is Donald turns the ball over a ton. Yeah, so The Jaguars are very high priced. So it's, it's very tough to figure out a way to keep, to keep them. All right. You got the bucks at the bears. Uh, it's minus three on the bear side. And the number is 46 right now. It barely moved, but I want to talk about this one because when you get to a point where you've seen, you know, the bucks offensive line, you saw Pittsburgh get all kinds of pressure. And that's scary because you know, Pittsburgh from a defensive perspective, they're okay at putting pressure on the quarterback. They're not what the bears have been so far. And then you have a bears offense that's been underwhelming, but a bucks defense that's made everybody look like the new England Patriots that went undefeated. So this is a, a tricky one. And I'm curious how do you see these two teams stacking up and influencing daily fantasy? I think this is the hardest game to predict this year, uh, this, this week. It's by far for me because of what you just said. We've got a so-so offense in the Bears against a very bad defense in the Bucks. We've got a pretty good offense in the Bucks so far against a very good Bears defense. So, um, look, we're all kind of waiting. It looked like Fitzpatrick was on his way to one of those dud games last week and we still don't know it it looks like he's probably going to start but we really don't know yet so um this is a tough game for me and i've gone back and forth um i've had the bears winning by four i've had the bucks winning by one so I'm not, I will tell you, I just don't have a good feel for where the game is going to go. I think that, I think that's, I think you nailed it. I don't think you have a good feel individually too. No, but here we'll talk about, I, no. there is something I like in this game that we're going to get to at the end when we talk about okay. ownership. And so that's the angle that I'm going to like, but I, I'm, I don't have a, I, I think this game is going to be close. Um, and I know I'm not going out on a limb. Look, the line is three. I do think the total is correct. I do think it might go a little bit under. It wouldn't shock me if this game is uh, 23 20 either way. But I do think that there is an angle in this game that you can take advantage of in tournaments. All right. I think this game could be an absolute trap this next one. Eagles at Titans. Eagles are favored by four here. And they've got a ton of injuries here. They're getting Jeffrey back, which is good. But we're talking about non division. <laughs> road games right here and it's lining up there and the titans defense statistically speaking at least has been pretty good this year and i think a lot better than people give it credit for and it's flying under the radar just a bit and looking at the injuries they have looking at that maybe you know you get that burst with Wentz coming back last week and then a little bit of a down uh potential this week i think this one personally is the one i'm staying away from not that i think the titans offense is great either Obviously, you know, Mariota's health an issue. We see the drama with Matthews this week. And sometimes when there's drama like that around a player, it makes the team galvanize around itself. And they're like, you know, screw this. I mean, just look at, you know, the, the Steelers week one and how everybody, you know, they were just like one fist there all together and saying, you know, screw it. We're going to go out there without Lev Bell. But I'm curious. I think you like the Eagles side of this game more. So sell me on that one. What, what do you see this one breaking down to be? Yeah, second <clears throat> second game in a row. The Eagles got to got to play a non conference game, but now they got to go on the road. Tough tough grind out win against the Colts in the rain at home last week. Uh, Eagles probably got a little bit lucky to win that game. Certainly, Wentz had rust. Not an ideal situation for Wentz to come back in. 
injuries in the backfield, injuries at the wide receiver position. This is not the same Philadelphia Eagles that we saw a year ago. So we just got to adjust expectations. Uh, I'm not sold. I mean, look, the Titans have won two in a row. And boy, I don't think you have a whole lot of confidence in this team. But you can say the defense has played well. So um, both teams, look, the Titans are sixth in opponents' plays per game allowed. The Eagles are ninth. So this certainly does look like on paper a game where uh, it's not going to have a lot of offense. Um, I actually just, I originally had it 23-10 Eagles. I actually just bumped it down to 19-10. I I just don't see any motivation on the Eagles side. And I think they just play ugly. They find a way to win. And uh, it wouldn't shock me if the Eagles get a defensive touchdown and kick four field goals. Yeah, I'm I'm actually looking for like a 13-10 or 16-13 Titans victory in this one. I think the Titans are actually going to surprise a lot of people. This I week. wouldn't it, it, it it's my if, upset if of the week. Had, if they had lost last week, I would I would probably agree with you, but the fact that the Titans had won, uh I just don't think that they can beat the Jags and the Eagles in back-to-back weeks. If they do, everyone's going to take notice. That's for damn sure. Everyone's going to change a lot of opinions about what's going on there and look Mike Vrabel It's a tough SOB. All right, we're going to hit a break. We're tough SOBs too. And we come back, we're going to talk about some of these rookie quarterbacks that are starting out there and some of these games. You're listening to the pre-snap. We'll be right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by LineStar. Transparent projections, simplified research, advanced signals, and top-rated apps. Dominate DFS. Download for free at LineStarApp.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Let's go now to Oakland where Baker Mayfield is going to take the one, one and one. That's right. I said it. Cleveland Browns one, one and one. They've got a W folks over to Oakland. And I know there's a lot of temptation here because of the good narrative in the story. And I feel like that is a huge trap. I know Oakland is bad defensively. I understand that. Uh, But looking at this one too, you know, this is a tough one for me to get excited about for anybody on either team with the exception of maybe somebody like Hyde because of what we've seen so far of that Oakland Raider defense. But how do you see this breaking down here with Mayfield going into Oakland? And as far as this 45 number you're looking at? <clears throat> yeah, this is, this is, I think to me, this is the second hardest game to, to kind of handicap this week. Um, is that because you haven't seen enough of Mayfield to know what his tendencies are? Like it could be in Joku. It could be, you know, it could be Landry continuously. I think it's just a weird, like they, they've had 10 days off. There's been a lot of, look, all we've heard about is Mayfield and they won. And to me, again, I've gone back and forth on this. And the more I think about it, um, boy, this could be a spot where the Browns lay an egg. Because, you know, oh, they've, sure. they've been the toast of the town. Right. Uh, everybody's crapped on the Raiders and understandably so. Look, and the, still a rookie quarterback on the road. Well, that's not that's the that. thing. That, that's the, here's the thing. So we're going to talk about ownership later on. But as a foreshadow, Mayfield is actually projected as the fourth or fifth highest owned quarterback. And I can't, I can't get it. I can't get behind that. I yeah, can't. That one's even, me, if, that one's even if it's wrong. Like, even if he ends up doing that, I still think there's some things that just aren't good investments. And I think until he starts proving it and that's fine like you know maybe some people will be proactive about it but to me i'd rather see it first than try to believe in something that i've never seen i think that's the harder thing for me you got to prove it for me yeah uh you know i i I think that um the more i think about this game the more that 
Uh, it's funny because the game opened pick them and then immediately went to Raiders minus three. And I think that's where it should be. I agree. Um, I, I think, think Raiders should number. even be able to favor maybe three and a half, four, to be honest with you. Um, I know the Browns have played very competitive and they very easily could be three and oh, but we got to be careful about expectations. Um, the issue with the Raiders has been, they just give up in the second half, whether it's, you know, conditioning or game plan or no lack of adjustments. Oh, at I half was going to say that was the one you beat me to it. Lack of adjustments to me is the biggest. It issue. could be, it could be. Um, I think that, you know, when it, when a team gets all the hoopla that the Browns have gotten over the last 10 days, now they're going to go on the road. Uh, it, it just feels like a spot where they, I'm not saying, I think they're competitive, but I think um, I've and actually. The Browns' seen, defense is pretty good too. It is. I've that. got Raiders going. I've got Raiders now twenty four seventeen. Um, yeah, I think it's going to perform under the total myself. I really yeah. do. I think there's going to be yeah. one of those messy, ugly games there where you're going to see some mistakes. There's enough mistakes on both sides, and yeah. I don't know if either team I feel good about being able to capitalize on them. Like it uh, wouldn't. I know the Raiders' defense isn't great, but it wouldn't shock me if Mayfield forces the ball on some throws and ends up with three picks. No, oh, wouldn't shock me at all. All right, let's go to the 49ers at Chargers. Obviously, this one uh, looks like a blowout on paper. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy G now out. Uh, it's going to be CJ Beathard, at least for now, which will be fascinating to watch and see who emerges. Does Brita emerge here differently in this offense? Does Pierre Garçon start to make uh, an appearance in this offense? But until you see it, you just don't know. But on the Chargers side, obviously, right now it opened at nine and a half. It's moved to 10. The number is 46. Uh, Bosa still out. We know the Chargers defensively still have a lot to be desired here. But how do you see this one working out for you? Do you think because the Chargers defense has so many holes that actually, in a way, they keep this one a little closer than they should? And Chargers, from an investment standpoint on offense, actually become a, a sound investment because this is not a necessarily a cakewalk for them. Yeah. So one of the things that I do is I, I try, I look at what the implied projected total of the game is going to be. And then I, and then I say to myself, where do I think this game is really going to go? Because, um, you know, this game would be 28 to 18. And I just don't see that. I don't see that at all. And what I see is, and based on what we've seen from the chargers and also what we've seen from the 49ers, uh, I think that there's um, the total is very low. And I think that this is a significant overreaction to the quarterback. Now, of course there is a difference in quarterback. Okay. Sure. But Beathard did play last year and he is a running quarterback and he does know the system. So I think Beathard is not going to get killed and the chargers defense has gotten shredded. Right. So and even though it's a road game, it's still within the state, and it's not really a road game. And let's face it. And there's it, no home field advantage. I, yeah, how many fans? 20,000 fans? I mean, right. so I think that this is a very interesting spot for the 49ers this week. They're not going to be heavily owned. They're going to come cheap. And I never I never like um, – Look, laying, laying double-digit points with a bad defense is usually not a good play. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a handicapping tell. I'm trying to predict where I think this game is going to go. And so the other interesting thing is uh, Keenan Allen has popped up on the injury report. Travis Benjamin's popped up on the injury report. 
And so there's a there's a guy that I really like in this game. There's a couple of Chargers I really like. In well, this I know there's a Charger that I've already gotten yep. all my lineups, and I'm yep. sure you and I are talking about the same guy. So. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I think I think um, we're talking about uh, there's an exploder game coming for this player. This yeah. Um, yeah, you can know how we talked about Ridley last week. Well, yeah, I think this week no, we got the I, guy I for you this I agree. week. There's an exploder game coming. All right. Uh, so I think it's a very dangerous spot for the Chargers. I certainly would not predict the Niners to win outright. But a lot of times when a key player goes down, the, the there's kind of like a rallying of the troops. And so everybody says, oh, the Niners are going to get the number one pick in the draft. The, game, the, the season's over. The season's over. I don't necessarily think that the, that's the way they're going to play, at least this week. Now, they could certainly um, in future weeks give up if they start getting killed. But I still think that they're going to come out and they're going to be motivated. And I think that they're going to want to at least show that, hey, we're not dead. You know, it's week four. We're not dead yet. And look, they allow the second most opponent plays per game. So I've got the game going way over the total. I've got it 33-27 in favor of the Chargers. Uh, it would not surprise me at all if the 49ers have a lead going into halftime. Yeah, wouldn't shock me either. But I, I think that the Chargers look for, for the good of fantasy you know, they'll end up putting enough points to really make this one work for everybody. You know, it might get a little dicey there in the first half. I do agree with you. And I think they will open it up as time goes on. Now on paper, this one's really exciting. Saints going to New York saints right now at uh, minus three and a half. It opened at four. The number currently is uh, actually at 50 and a half. Now you make an interesting point here about after last week, maybe the saints coming out a little flat. We've seen drew Brees go to New York before and underwhelm it is a road game it is outdoors it is in some kind of elements but you know i don't want to kill drew Brees. he's not he's drew Brees in the dome at home or in a dome is not quite you know the same as road drew Brees. not in there not that road drew Brees is bad but at the same right. time in this one key injury on the giant side with evan ingram out to me this is a lock for we've been waiting for the big odell beckham game we talked about julio i think odell is in that lot too where i expect him to be that beneficiary as well as sterling Shepard, who i know you're high on too in terms of his red zone upside which he also has so take me through giant saints right now how you see this one working out with the saints defense has been you know absolutely atrocious all year. yeah and we saw patrick robinson get carted off the field last week so that's certainly not going to help the situation here's what it's not so <clears throat> Saints coming off a huge overtime win against the Falcons, expended a ton of energy. I think it's going to be hard for the Saints to get up for this game. Now the Giants are coming off a very good, solid road win against the Texans. They played very tough against the Jags, and they kind of laid an egg against the Cowboys. So I was a little bit disappointed with them there. Ingram out means um, Shepard certainly becomes a guy that you definitely want to look at. And so you definitely want to look at – that Manning Beckham Shepard. Now the thing is, we're going to get into ownership a little bit later. You're definitely going to have high ownership on Beckham and Shepard, but you may not have it on Eli because there's other quarterbacks people are jumping on. So you still might be able to get an edge with a giant stack in this spot. Uh, a little bit of history in the game is so there was that crazy game in November of 2015 where it was 52 to 49 down in New Orleans. They played the following year, and the total was high, and everybody yeah, was on 16-13, that's the and game. That's exactly 13. the game I'm thinking of in my mind yeah. where everyone's everyone yeah. looking at each other like, what is this? I know – I want to say it was a little, you know, kind of rainy that day too. It was. It, it yeah. was – yeah, it was – I think it was early in the season. I don't think it was late. No, it was like October-ish or something yeah, like that. And it was so, one of those rainy October kind of pissy yeah. days. 
I, I, here's the thing is, <clears throat> you know, we look at this game. Um, so the total in the 49 and Charger game is 46. And I'm telling you, I think it's going to be 60 uh, as far as total points scored. So that's kind of what I'm looking at here is, do I think this game is going to go under? Is it going to land on it? Or is it going to go way over? You know, where is this game going to land? Okay. I, my, my gut tells me this game is not going to go crazy. I don't think this game is going to be 16-13, but it's not going to be 52-49. I agree. I and that's why Orleans, I think I stay look, away from Eli yeah, Manning, New but Orleans, I like Beckham. New Orleans defense isn't good, let's face it. Okay, but here's the thing. It's not like the Giants offense is, is – Well, great. but they've also played – I mean, let's be frank too. Right. Jacksonville's not easy, you know. Right, and that's why I brought it up. I brought up the fact that they have had a tough – now, Eli's played better each week, okay, but – But they struggled but, against Dallas. Right. So here's the thing is I think that um, the Saints are tough against the run and I'm not sure. I'm not sure that this is a Barkley game. And I know people I've, I've seen Barkley projected in the top five this week. I, I don't know if I want to go there. Um, I actually have the game 27, 24 in favor of the Giants. So I do see points. Um, but if I've got the Saints at 24, I think that's going to tell you that I'm probably fading them this week. They do come in as the number one projected own team. I don't like the spot. So I'm not going to load up on New Orleans on the road as chalk. Uh, I don't like the spot. I think um, I think the Giants are going to win the game, Twenty, like I said, 27. Well, yeah, and the fact that it necessarily doesn't have the ability for you to go into the 30s, I think, speaks a lot to you. Yeah, I just Pulling don't back see the expectations game. of an yeah, Eli Manning. He's not going to go off the right. charts. I see it kind of landing. And, and so here's the thing. If that game is going to land on the projected total and close to it, there's no edge because both teams are going to be highly owned. All right. We started this segment with a rookie quarterback starting his first game, and we're going to end it with a rookie quarterback starting his first game. Josh Rosen in Arizona taking on the Seattle Seahawks. This is an in-division home game for Arizona and Seattle uh, for and them on the Cardinal side, at least. And look, this one right now, is it minus three? It opened at minus four. The number right now is 38 and a half. You know, it's funny when everybody talks about these rookie quarterbacks too, and they're talking about the wide receivers and whether or not Fitzgerald's going to bounce back or, you know, who's going to be the guy. Is it going to be Callaway this, or Higgins and this and that? I always want to remind people like, hey, rookie quarterbacks love the tight end because they tend to find the security blanket and check down a lot or get intimidated sometimes about things that are going on. And I just want to, Remind everybody, if you see some good work from Njoku or Ricky Seals-Jones this week, take notice of it because that is always a rookie quarterback trend. But let's talk about this one, too. Let's talk about Carson. Let's talk about the Seattle side, too. How do you see this one shaking out for you? Yeah, uh, so this is kind of a common theme this week. I feel like there's a lot of bad... You're just unhappy this week. Here's the problem. There's (laughs) There's a lot of matchups with two bad offensive teams. Fair and enough. In the Thursday, the Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night games. Right, you're taking Pittsburgh out of the equation. You're taking Kansas City. Five out of the offensive, five offensive teams out of six. No Rams, no Vikings. Yeah, no it's tough. So Steelers. Yeah, we're just yeah, we're left with a slate that's not exactly you know lighting it up. So um, my 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 viewpoint on the game is this: with Rosen starting at home. I don't love, I don't love him. I think Seattle's defense is not, I know they've got a lot of injuries and a lot of players not on that team that used to be, but they still have played pretty competitive. 
And so you've got a rookie quarterback. I think that the Cardinals are going to play super conservative at home in a division game. I think the playbook is going to be limited. I think they're just going to want to try to win this game. And I even put it, look, I put Seattle 20 to 17. I'm starting to wonder if it even gets to that. So um, I don't think Arizona wins. I think Seattle wins the game. It wouldn't shock me if it's 20 to 13, 19. Yeah, that sounds, I, I even think 13 would be. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think. Know, that would almost cool. be a good showing for Rosen in the first one. And and I'm not you know trying to crap on Rosen at all. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's the NFL and there's a learning yeah, curve. And no matter how talented call. you think a guy is or how pro-ready you think he is, it doesn't mean that he's not going to have ups and downs there and they're going to throw stuff at him that he hasn't seen and all that. So I agree. I think this is another underwhelming game and you make a good point overall it really focuses your attention on games like Cincinnati, Atlanta, and a few of the other ones too, where I think there is potential there, at least on one side, we even talked about, you know, the chargers a bit that, you know, it's going to be, you've got to really zero in on some of those players that are going to help you. We're going to help you do that in a second. Uh, in the meantime, you can click on each player on the line star app and see the results for each game, along with what they scored and the metrics used for the current week's projections. You can also sort players by several options. You can do love hated salary, all sorts of different stuff. So use that line star app, get in there today, figure out the tools that you need to win you some cash. We're going to hit a break. We come back. We're going to talk about some of the pricing changes and some of the names we love and we hate. You're listening to the pre-snap with Rath and Joe. We'll be right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is sponsored by line star dominate DFS with the world's only patented lineup optimizer. Visit linestarapp.com now and start your free trial. All right, let's do it, Rath. Here we are. Talk about some of the big jumps in price. I know Ridley, after a big week, uh, went to plus 1,200 on DraftKings, plus 1,300 on FanDuel. Keenan Allen went plus 1,000. Boyd, obviously, with a big day also last week, plus 900 on DK, plus 1,100 on FanDuel. Are those all reasonable jumps for you uh, in terms of looking at this week's potential, especially with Ridley and Boyd, potentially in that same game where we could have a big total? Yeah, it's certainly, you know, Ridley and Boyd coming off big games. Certainly, you know, the $1,000 plus jumps are expected. Not a lot of movement this week, which is, you know, interesting. Again, I just wanted to focus. I don't want to run down every single guy that got, you know, a price increase. But just no, but these are, why, these are important ones. Right. You know, definitely. Definitely. And the Keenan ones. Allen one, I think, is more of, I think they just dropped the price because he was going against the Rams. And then they just bumped them back up to normal price levels. But so. he's not 100%. So that's yeah, also the... So I think that was the issue there. So just so keep that in mind. Plus 1,000 now on him with the questionable tag. It's just something to keep... Yeah, guy, I don't know how much I love him. I don't really love him this week. No, I, I think the other guy is the guy we want. My boy, I'm, I mean, it's not a secret, but, you know. Pricing differences. You got Drew Brees, 66 on DK, 8,700 on FanDuel. Matt Ryan, 61 on DK, 87 on FanDuel. And Dalton, 54 to 74 on FanDuel. So in terms of uh, these three quarterbacks, in terms of the differences between the prices, take me through which one is important to you. Uh, these are all guys that are more favorable on DraftKings. Uh, you know, especially look at Matt Ryan, same price as Drew Brees on FanDuel, 8,700, but $500 less on DraftKings. So Matt Ryan definitely jumps out to me at 6,100. Um, Dalton, Dalton jumps even more than uh, 5,400 yeah. you know, in same game. You know, again, we're expecting an explosive game. So I think both guys are in play. And um, on the flip side, uh, you've got a couple of guys that are more attractive on FanDuel than they are on DraftKings. And Ryan Fitzpatrick at 7,400. 
and he's 6,200 on DraftKings. And you got Philip Rivers, who's 7,800 on FanDuel and 6,500 on DraftKings. Uh, the reason why is basically what I'm looking at is uh, the price differential on a quarterback from DK to FanDuel is around $1,600 on average. You're not going to get a lot of guys. You know, the DK is always going to be cheaper because it's a 50K salary cap versus 60. So you're just looking for that difference on the spread where you think, hey, this guy's a little bit more of a better play over on this site. So, again, the Fitz and Rivers, to me, fall more in line on uh, FanDuel. All right. What about the Eckler price on DK and FanDuel? How do you feel that one working out? Scary. Uh, 4200 for Eckler in this matchup. Uh, boy, you got to love him as a lock in uh, at the flex spot. And then you got Camara at the other end of the spectrum who's, you know, through the roof on both 96 and 91. Yeah. So the way that DraftKings pricing works is um, they typically juice up wide receiver, tight end, and running backs that are at the top. So like the top five guys typically are more expensive on DraftKings than they are on FanDuel. So uh, Camara is 9,600 on DraftKings. He's 9,100 on FanDuel. So you're not paying as much on FanDuel for Camara. Uh, Geo sticks out because he's oh, only hundred dollars. Yeah. He's a hundred dollars more on Fanduel. Uh, I know PPR, etc., but still, still uh, the matchup. And, and good, uh, yeah, you're getting. Have a- we not seen the McCaffrey game last week? I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, what more do we need? Yeah. All right, let's talk about the wide receiver, Mike Williams, forty five hundred on DK, sixty three on Fanduel. I've had a hard time making a lineup this week without Mike Williams in it. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's got to be a, a, a lock. At and I don't care what the ownership is. I don't care. No. And, and the thing is, is um, I didn't look at projection on him per se specifically, but. Yeah, um, love Mike Williams this week. Love the matchup. Love the potential of the other wide receivers not being 100%. Uh, Chargers certainly uh, hard-pressed to think they're not going to put up 30-plus points in this game again. Rivers has been playing out of his mind. So Mike Williams certainly has potential putting up 25, 30 points this week and uh, at a huge multiplier value. And, uh, you know, again, I'll go back to my boy, Tyler Lockett. I don't consistent. Love- he's been very, yeah, yeah. It just, but it's a floor. Know. It's a floor kind of thing yep. where every week he's getting double digits and I don't love the game, but I think he gets a hundred and a touchdown. And so he's on his way to 20, uh, Antonio Callaway is bare minimum price on FanDuel at 4,500. So he's certainly going to be popular. And Mike Evans is the same price on DraftKings as FanDuel, which you normally don't see. No, you're going to see a thousand dollar difference in that player. Uh, so you're getting them at sub AK on FanDuel. So, it, you know, again, we go back to Fitz being cheap on FanDuel and Evans being cheap on FanDuel. So I think, you know, where I'm going. Yeah. And tight end is tricky. I know last week you were hoping Hooper would hit. Uh, he's 29 and 48 respectively and an Ebron 36 and 55 between these two guys, you have a preference or you like them both. Uh, I like both because of the, look, you can always find cheap tight ends on DraftKings, So mm-hmm. that's so many, you know, you're always going to want to gravitate to them. And especially with PPR, you can take more swings and, and not worry about it so much uh, on the flip side, you know, DraftKings does price up players at the top. So you're getting more of a discount on FanDuel on a Gronk at 8,100 or an Ertz at seven K uh, definitely leaning more towards Gronk this week. I think Ertz could get targets and yardage, but I think the tight end potential is capped. Yeah, and it's kind of frustrating, too, when you see uh, the other tight ends going to touch on, too, and Dallas Goddard getting it, too. Yeah, right, def- yeah. yeah. defensively, the Bears at 2,600 on DK, 43 at FanDuel, obviously expensive on the FanDuel side a little bit more. Uh, but, look, the Colts at 22 and 36. Take me through the Colts' thought process here. 
So they're at home. I think the total is going to drop. They're favored. They're going against a team that whose offensive line is the worst in football. Uh, and I don't think that the Texans are going to put up like 30 or 40 points. And I think that the Colts certainly could um, dictate pace in the game and, and just, you know, grind it out a little bit here. So <clears throat> with the short passing game, so bare, almost bare minimum price on DraftKings for the Colts at 2200 just allows you to make uh, a cash lineup that is going to be more, you know, productive and have more predictability. Uh, only 3600 on FanDuel as well. So certainly in play on both sides, just in a very opportune spot this week for the Colts team. All right. And the Browns, 2,900 on DK, 35 on FanDuel. We mentioned that Browns defense better than folks realize. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the ownership of guys too. And let's talk about the top five projected owner owned QBs. Pardon me that you've got, you've got breeze rivers, Matt Ryan, Mayfield and Brady. Uh, I agree with you. Mayfield's the one to me that does not belong on the road. You're fading him. And then the 5% or less, Manning, Dalton, and C.J. Beathard. Is there enough floor for Beathard? That's my first question. And why is Andy Dalton still not getting any respect? So Beathard, to me, is DraftKings only because uh, he's like 4,600, I believe. Okay, so it's just the sheer like, salary. Yeah, so it's in, just insane. Plus, he runs. So, okay, so why, why is Dalton still not get any love? I just don't get it. I mean, what do well, we have to see right now? You know, he, his fantasy production, even though he put up a ton of yards last week, he did throw a ton of picks, and he didn't, he didn't perform great as far as like when you look at his fantasy points. So that's why they're still keeping him down. Um, and quarterbacks are just soft in general on, on DraftKings. Uh, Manning again, you know, we're t- there is some early season built into the salary again with last season. So these guys have a lower priced salary and lower ownership based on, uh, they have a really good matchup this week and good Vegas and good price, but there's still pause on performance. So both guys could lay an egg, uh, Dalton. I don't think, I think Dalton to me is no doubt about it. The secret in in the league as far as people have still not figured out what he's done over the last year or so so he's certainly a player that i'm going to have ownership of this week and then you know some of manning and bethard as well all right let's go to the running backs here their top five projected own camara gordon barkley bernard and elliott uh, i think bernard is still the right answer no matter how owned he is less than 10 percent coleman sony michelle Jordan Howard, Austin Eckler, and Brita. And is Eckler the guy to really point out here that because of the price that that might be a fantastic opportunity? Yeah, especially on DraftKings. We already talked about the soft pricing on Eckler. Uh, He's going to get a ton of work in the receiving game. Uh, The Bills' run defense isn't bad. So if Gordon does get shut down a little bit and they go to Eckler, but boy, if they get a big lead, there could be a lot of dump-off passes to Eckler um, early on in in the game. So it's just... You know, we talked about the pass catching running backs. Uh, I believe it was week two, maybe even week three. Um, just that player profile at 4,200, for him to hit 20 points is nothing. All so right, your fade is Zeke. I know I'm not on board with it, but certainly you make a good argument for it without a doubt there. Uh, and in terms of wide receiver ownership, you got Beckham, Thomas, Boyd, Allen, Jones, Hopkins, Fuller, and Ridley. Those are the top nine owned percentage wise, or at least projected ownership, I should say less than 10% AJ green, which kind of goes to that same point. He's been playing really well. I know the injuries there, but as long as you follow that narrative of the injury and it seems like it's okay, there's no reason why you can't roll him out there. I think Callaway based on price Evans is another one we just discussed, uh, but let's go to Landry Shepard, Mike Williams and Lockett there. 
Williams and Lockett, we touched base on a little bit, but Landry, we really haven't. And Landry seemed like a very steady presence there for Baker Mayfield so far in the early going. Yeah, I got to like Landry. Certainly gets a quarterback upgrade. And in this spot, uh, just, you know, they're going to run more plays with Mayfield. So more opportunity is going to be there for Landry. And that's really why I like him. Uh, certainly more of a cash game play. Uh, again, I, I don't think the Browns are going to lay an egg, but I don't think they're going to win. And I think that they just come in a little bit too high off that win. So I do see them coming in flat, maybe recovering in the second half and Landry. It's really hard. Look at, he's just been a target monster. So it's just hard to get off. All right. And Allen, not a hundred percent. So we're talking about fading him, but we're also talking about Hopkins. You're not necessarily in love with him either against the Colts because of the offensive line problems there. And you're worried about them being able to really run up a score. Let's go to the tight ends. Top five projected owned Gronk Ertz. Cook, Doyle, and Graham, less than 5% Kittle, Hooper, and uh, Eric Ebron. So I am I think that, you know, you throwing Kittle on that list, that's something I've been talking about too, kind of like saying the same idea with the rookie quarterbacks is, you know, somebody's got to catch the ball. And oftentimes when you're not real confident, this is the tight end who seems to be the guy. Is there opportunity here where Kittle is just a forgotten man, but he shouldn't be? Well, we also got a narrative of these guys went to the same college and played together. So right. I think there's, you know, that too. So look, um, I can't tell you what is going to happen in the 49ers offense outside of CJ Beathard is uh, there's going to be a crap ton of plays in that game uh, that it's going to be a, high, a fast pace. And look, if the chargers get up 20, nothing, that's okay. Uh, cause the game still could end up 37, 23. And we get, we get a lot of fantasy goodness. The Niners are cheap. They're under owned. Uh, look, Bethard, Brita, Kittle works for me this week because I'm getting exposure to a game that I think is going to be, you know, up and down fast paced, a lot of points against a bad defense in Sandy in, in LA. Sorry. And so, I'll go back to the Niners again, super low owned. Don't have a problem doing it. And I can't tell you if Goodwin or Garcon, or I don't know who's going to catch the ball at, and for a wide receiver. So I'm not going to play the guessing game. I'm I just going to go with the, with the guys I think are steady that, you know, in Brita and Kittle. And again, I've got a running quarterback, so I got no problem running Beathard alone. All right. And you're fading Ertz because of the low scoring potential there in the game. And with Jimmy Graham, same kind of thing. Although I do think Graham gets in the end zone, but you're right. That is an if, and if he does, it's good. And if he doesn't, it's a bad day. Top five projected own defenses, Jaguars, Chargers, Packers, Seahawks, and Eagles, less than 5% owned Colts, Bears, and Browns. Uh, I, I just don't understand why the Bears continue to be <laughs> like, what? what's not appealing about the Bears you know, looking against Tampa in terms of potential for turnovers and sacks. Like I, I understand the total is, is maybe, you know, you look offensively what they've done so far, but I don't know, man, I, I feel like there's opportunity there with Chicago. Definitely. And, and look, we saw it in the first half on Monday night with Fitzpatrick, he didn't play well. And, and he's got a history of turning over the football for God's sakes. I mean, the, holy the crap. Game, that's why I told you this, that game to me was the hardest game of the week because the wheels could completely fall off for the bucks this week. Okay. And that they could just get, they're coming off a Monday night game that, you know, they expended a lot of energy at home and they really should have won the game. You know, there's just issues with play calling and decision-making and 
I think that the Bears defense at home in this spot, look, I'm not in love with the offense, but I just had a very hard this game could be 24-13. It just or 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 it could get a little crazy and go like well look, eventually funny. Cinderella turns into the pumpkin here. Right. You know what I mean, like it's just could be the happen. spot. Yeah, so, this could be the spot. Again, I don't love the Bears offense. I, I don't like Trubisky. Uh Miller's out. No, I, but I agree with you. The one thing I feel good about with the Bears is their defense. And this is an oh, opportunity there. Howard. So Howard under own, Bears sure. under own. So let's talk about that defensive running back stack of Howard and the Bears as a potential correlation play because people are not going to be on it. And if the game gets out of hand, Jordan Howard can carry the ball 25, 30 times. All right. And we're fading the Jaguars because of price and the Chargers. I also agree that I think that might be a bit of a trap there, you know, just because you see no Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a game that goes your way. If you're the chargers projected team ownership to new Orleans, uh, the charge Atlanta, Cincinnati, and the giants look like the top five, the bottom five rung on this is Arizona, San Fran, Tennessee, and Buffalo. Again, that Tennessee defense is another one that I would throw in that loop because I, if nobody's paying attention. They putting up double digit points on FanDuel three straight weeks, just putting that out there. Uh, anything else here before we close the show? Any last parting shots here? Because uh, I feel pretty confident. I feel pretty good about some of the breakdown. It does certainly look like it's going to be a week wrath where you got to get that one or two of those games right because the rest of these have the potential to be a very underwhelming Sunday. Definitely. Uh, there could be a lot of dogs with fleas this week. <laughs> but look, um, you know, there's a theory in, in, in DFS that talks about um, – hedge and so to me i kind of hinted at it so the hedge of the week for me is you're running you're running howard and the bears in a lineup but you're also running on the other you're you're running another lineup in a tournament with tampa bay and you are going fitz edwin evans and godwin because they are going to be one to five percent one of the right and one of them could be a thing if the magic is still there and they, the game, if somehow this game ends up being high paced, high scoring, look, you're going to get the, it seems like a week that you, that you would favor multi-entry situations because yeah, I'm, no I'm, doubt about it. I mean, about, I'm not usually like that. I prefer the single entry tournaments myself, but it feels like this is a week where, because there could be so many odd outcomes that you might have to have a couple of different irons in the fire in order to make yeah. it work. Yeah, there's two teams that jump out to me as far as lower ownership, and that was the Bucks and the 49ers. As um, the Bucks have been doing it, but they have a tough spot. And the Niners, everybody is just off them because of the Jimmy G injury, but they're going against a very suspect Charger defense. All right, be sure to check out Ryan Humphrey's Week 4 DFS write-up. He gives you the ratings and cash for gpp picks and it goes into his newsletter via email so sign up there and it's also posted the projections page over at the line star app so hit the line star app up check out the website and follow ryan at nitro dfs all right that'll do it for me you can follow him on twitter at fantasy wrath you can follow me at joe pisa ps17 for everybody here at line star that'll do it for the pre-snap and now it's time to set down win Thanks for listening to the pre-snap podcast with Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizapia on the Lion Star Podcast Network. Have a question? Need more advice? Join the conversation at LionStarApp.com and we'll see you back here next week. Good luck.